This is from Matthew chapter 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. A while back, I was eating at a restaurant, and I was actually on my way out. And I was walking out, and there is a table sitting over here of four um, males, and all of them are sitting here at their table, looking down at their phones, completely unaware, it seems, that there are four other people at the table. And, and you can guess, they were probably in their 20s, and so you say, <laughs> but what was amazing is I turned the corner, and there was a table of four older ladies all in their 60s, and they were all sitting here, <laughs> completely unaware that there was anyone else at the table. And it's, it's kind of funny, but, but it's true because it is so much our world, a world that seems distracted. And I'm reminded of it constantly at home as my son and my daughter, or my sons and my daughters, I haven't disowned any, um, my sons and my daughters fight for the attention. And it's dad, dad. Dad, Dad, because I'm focused on something else. Because it's possible to be somewhere and not really be there. It's possible to be present in a room physically, but not there mentally. And you are constantly aware that maybe for you it's not your phone, maybe it's not a tablet, but maybe it's a good book. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a project or something that you're working on really hard that seems to distract you from what's happening around you. Where it's really possible to be in a place, but not really be in a place. As we go in just a little bit to eat waffles. We hadn't told you we're eating waffles today. As we go to eat waffles, it's possible to sit down at a table with other people and not really be present with other people. And I think it's important that we put things on our calendar, things like Advent and Christmas and Easter, that remind us and refocus us and bring us back. Because we put things on a calendar, why? To remember them. So that we don't forget. We, we go through and we plan out our week so we make sure we know what we have Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday so that we don't get a phone call and say, hey, you were supposed to be here and you weren't here. We put them there to remember. And seasons like this are here to remind us as we go breakneck speed through life, from event to event, from relationship to relationship, from TV show to TV show, from to-do task to to-do task. We are reminded that we need time to slow down, 
to slow down and focus on what is around us. And this story is such an interesting story that unfolds because we read about a story from John's life just a little bit ago where John was on fire and he's in the wilderness and he's speaking and he's confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he's making sure that everyone is focused that Christ has come into this world. He wants them to know, he wants them to remember that it's time. And he calls out the Pharisees and the Sadducees with, with such assurance. And you can hear it in his voice that I'm, I am the one who was sent to prepare the way for the Lord. And he calls the Pharisees and Sadducees these brood of vipers. And you, sen- you sense this very uh, much self-assuredness. Or, or we could even say Christ-assuredness. That he knows why he is here. And he knows what he is doing and what he has been sent to do. He has been, come, he has been sent into this world to prepare the way for Jesus. And now, John finds himself in a prison. He's behind bars. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, it says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. John is in prison, and he's in prison for confronting Herod because Herod was sleeping with someone that he shouldn't be sleeping with, or basically a relative. And he's confronted Herod, and he finds himself in prison. He's doing what he believes God has called him to do, and it's turned out bad for him. So he finds himself in prison. He says, when John heard about, when he heard about, because remember, he can't see. He can't see what's happening around him. He hears about the deeds of the Messiah. He hears what Jesus is doing. And these stories start to trickle into this prison cell where he is confined and he's restricted and he's cut off from everything else that's happening. And he sent his disciples. He, he grabs his disciples. He says, hey, come here. Let's, I, I have an assignment for you. He says, are you the one who is to come? He sends his disciples to Jesus, the one he was preparing the way for. The one he was saying, we're making straight paths for. He sends his disciples to inquire, to ask, are you the one who is to come? And this coming one idea comes from several Old Testament prophets. It's the waiting for the one who was to come. Are are you him? And it's basically code word for the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? Are you the Messiah or should we expect someone else? We've been looking so intently at you and we thought it was you and everything was going well and I was doing what I was supposed to do, but now I'm in prison. And this isn't the way that I pictured things in my mind. This isn't how I thought they would play out. 
Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Christ? Or should we expect someone else? And it's amazing that the circumstances, John's surroundings, change his perspective so quickly. And they make him question. They make him question not only his role and his calling, but what Jesus is actually doing in the world, and if he is even the Messiah in the first place. Because John was working with a really simple equation. And it's an equation that you and I use regardless of if we think of it or not. But it's this idea that Messiah equals no prison. Jesus, I am in prison. And if you were the Messiah, I wouldn't be in prison. If you were the Christ, the coming king, this wouldn't be happening. And your translation might not look like this. It might not have prison on the other side of it. But if you were the Messiah, I wouldn't be going through, if, if you were the Messiah, I wouldn't be going through these difficult times. If you were the Messiah, they wouldn't be gone. If you were the Messiah and you were good, then everything would make sense. And I know cognitively, we don't like sit there and think that. But deep, deep in our hearts, I believe it's what we long for, and it's what we hope for, and it will make us stop, and it will make us question, because if John believes that Jesus is Messiah, and that he is going to set the captives free, then this wouldn't be where he finds himself. See, John has a vision problem because walls limit our vision. Walls have an incredible ability to cut off what you see. And John finds himself in a prison cell surrounded by four walls, sitting here asking, are you the one that I was preparing the way for? Are you the one that's been talked about for thousands of years? Are you the reason that we have hope? Because if you really are, things wouldn't be working out the way they're working out right now. And John's vision has been limited by the walls that surround him. Walls make it incredibly difficult to see what's on the other side. Walls make it impossible at times to see what is on the other side. And, and you might relate to John. I mean, have you ever been in prison? I, I'm guessing there's one or two people in here who could say, yeah, I, I have. But for most of us, we've experienced bondage, and we've experienced prison. 
Maybe it was in a marriage, an abusive relationship that you felt like there was no way out of. Maybe it was a loss of someone who was close to you, who you leaned on and found so much assurance that they were there. Maybe it was in school and you were bullied. And you didn't know what tomorrow looked like. And there was this fear of walking in the doors of your school every single day because you did not know what was going to happen. Or maybe it's simply being alone. And every day you walk into your house and it's quiet and it's dark and it's empty. And it can feel like a prison. And I think it can make us question like John. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Because when I decided to follow Jesus, I had these expectations in my mind of how this was going to go. And how everything was going to play out. And if you really are the Messiah, then, then things wouldn't look this rocky. Things wouldn't look this rough. I wouldn't be questioning if you were the Messiah. I would know for certainty because of everything around me was set up the way that it was supposed, the way I envisioned it. Walls make it difficult to see. And Jesus is going to enter the picture and he's not going to answer his question with, well, well, yes, I am the Messiah. Now, one of my favorite um, travel um, experiences is to listen to a game on the radio. Especially if you find a game with a really, really good commentator. One of my favorite commentators is Eric Nadell. He's the voice of the Rangers He's been the voice for the Rangers for the past 41 years. And, and Eric Nadell is amazing at what he does. Um, from the intricate details of the game that he describes, if, if you listen at the start of the game, he'll say things like, the Rangers are wearing their, their home white uniforms with red letters and blue backing and red piping down the side of their pants. And for me, knowing the game, I can picture it. And he'll start describing the, the, the ball, the pitch was a fastball, it was just a bit off the outside corner. And I, I'm sitting here in my mind driving down the road, and I'm thinking, man, I, I can see it. Because that's what a really good commentator does. They, they make it so it's possible that you can see even though you can't. But all commentators begin with a basic assumption. And the assumption is you have some idea of what's going on in a game. Because they're not describing that was the first pitch was a ball, it was just a bit off the outside corner. The pitcher has to hit a strike zone that's 27 inches, 0.5 inches wide, and you know, they're not explaining every detail. They're not explaining the concept, they're not explaining the strategy. They're just telling you what they see. And I think that's what Jesus does here for John. He plays the role of a really good commentator. 
understanding that John has a really good script in his mind that he's working off of, of what Jesus is doing in this world and how and why he is Messiah. So he says this in verse 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Go tell John. Here's what I am hearing. And here's what I am seeing. Because I think Jesus understands John needs someone to be the eyes for him. Because his vision is limited. And it's really hard to see what's happening in this world. It's hard to see what's going on beyond these walls because his vision is limited. He says, go tell him what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go tell John. Go tell him what you hear. And go tell him what you see. See, John has this script in his mind. And it's a script that's recorded in Isaiah 35, among several other places. But in Isaiah 35, he says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That there is this land, this wilderness that's dead, that's dying, that is void of life, and yet into this wilderness, as Christ comes into this world, water is gushing into it, and it's bringing life into everything. Go tell John, you don't have a clear picture of what's happening around you because the walls have limited your vision. And when your vision is limited, you begin to question what this is really all about. I know you can't see well. So John's disciples, you go back to John. And you be John's eyes. You see what John can't see. And you tell him. It's happening. It's not happening the way he thought. It's not Elijah 2.0 we talked about last week where he calls down fire from heaven and everything is destroyed. It's not this conquering king who's coming in on a white horse with a sword to, to completely rid Rome and everything else of its power, strip it of all its power and dignity. But it's this suffering servant from Isaiah who's come into the world to bring hope and healing. And John, I know you can't see right now. I know the walls have have blocked your vision. And they've made it really difficult to see what's happening in the world. But listen, there's healing for the blind and the lame and the mute and the deaf and the dead, and the poor, all of them are finding life in Messiah. John, it is me. And he answers John's question without ever saying yes. Yes, 
it's me. Don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. He answers John's question. And he says, John, I know that your vision is limited by these walls that surround you. But don't lose hope. Don't lose sight of what is happening. Because there's something bigger than just your circumstance. And then Jesus says something that I've always thought was so strange. He says, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I started to think, well, can Jesus do something to make someone stumble? Or or why would someone stumble? And then it hit me. Well, actually, I hit it. It was the leg rest of our living room recliner as I was walking through the living room in the dark of night. And I didn't take the time to flip on the light. I just walked through the living room, and someone had left the leg rest up. And I hit the, the leg rest, and I stumbled. And as I caught my balance, I hit a toy that a kid had left out in the living room. And again, I stumbled. And you can say, well, okay, I I, I got the problem then. You were walking in the darkness. That's it. But that's not the root cause. Because John, I don't think, is walking in the darkness. And the darkness is circumstances. It's surroundings. It's something in some ways you can affect and you can change. But the problem wasn't the darkness. The problem was my inability to see. The problem was my limited vision. The problem was I couldn't see what was going on around me and I couldn't focus my eyes in on what really mattered. I could have turned the light on. I could have made it light in the room. I could have affected it. But then the question comes, if I was walking through with the light on, could I have still done the same thing? What if I was in a hurry and rushing? Could I have still tripped and stumbled? What if I was thinking about something else and wasn't looking where I was going? Could I still stumble? It, It wasn't my circumstances. It wasn't the surroundings that made me stumble. It was my inability to see. Darkness is a problem, but it's not the root of the problem. The problem is my eyes problem is my eyes couldn't see what I needed them to see. And Jesus sends word to John. I know you can't see, but I can see, and your disciples can see, 
And sometimes you need other people to see for you because everything around you is restricting and limiting your vision. Sometimes you need other people to see because you've lost your ability to see. So several months ago, um, I went to a doctor. Um, since we have insurance, my wife decided it would be a good idea for me to go to the eye doctor. And I hadn't been to the eye doctor since I was in high school. And I walked in, and I walked up to the counter at the eye doctor, and the lady greets me and says, it's great to see you. Contacts or glasses? And I said, neither. And she said, okay, great. That's, that's awesome. You have really good vision. I said, yes, it's 2020. She goes, come on, come on back, and we'll, we'll do our eye tests. And remind this is my wife's fault, right? I didn't need to go to the eye doctor. And so I go through the test, and the, the eye doctor says, um, you still have 20-20 vision, but your eyes are starting to weaken a little bit. And I think they need a little boost. Glasses or contacts. And so this is disgruntled Gary trying on glasses. Because I needed help seeing more clearly. And here's the thing. Up until this point, I'd never needed help. But now, I needed help. I needed something to boost my vision and to help me see a little bit more clearly. And I think all of us, like John, run into vision problems at times. And I was trying to think through some of the spiritual vision problems we have. I think one of the biggest ones in our culture today is blurred vision. And the cause of blurred vision is our fast-paced and frantic lives. Where we have so much going on that we very rarely slow down. And we very, very rarely take time to be present where we are. I mean, how many, how many times, how many moments in your day do you find yourselves sitting in a place or maybe with other people thinking about something else? Thinking about what you have to do next week. And I think it's really interesting in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't worry about all of that stuff tomorrow. There's enough today. In blurred vision, there is a cure. Slow down. Slow down. Build in rhythms to your day where you regularly stop and you check, how am I doing? Am, am I working? Am I living at a sustainable pace? Because what's crazy is our, our world, we, we have so many people with heart conditions. And a lot of the reason for that is the pace that we live at. Diet and exercise and all that play in, but, but the pace that we live at creates so much stress. You were not made to live at that pace for that long. 
slow down. The other is nearsightedness. And nearsightedness means that you see really well close up, but you don't see really well from afar. And that the, the death or the divorce hits you. The situation at school where you're being bullied, it hits you. And all you can see is what's happening right here and right now, and you cannot see beyond. You cannot see beyond those walls to see that there's a better possibility, a better world that Christ has come into this world to create. That there is hope. There are people who are dead who are being raised to life. There are people who are breaking the chains of addiction. There are people who are finding life when it seemed like everything was hopeless and death was certain. There are moments, there are people who are finding life, and you need to hear those stories. That something bigger is happening in this world than just the circumstances, the surroundings that you find yourself in right now. And the last is lost or limited vision. And it's when those, those events occur that cause walls to surround us, and it makes it really difficult to see what's beyond them. Where it's hard to imagine life tomorrow because everything about today has just changed. I wonder this morning how many people are struggling with vision problems. My guess is it's probably most of us. Maybe it's the blurred vision. Maybe it's nearsightedness. Maybe it's lost or limited vision. And you're clinging to hope and you're asking the question, are you the Messiah or should we expect someone else because I didn't expect things to work out this way. I didn't think things would go this way. Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or should we expect someone else? Father, today, God, it is my hope and my prayer. That, Father, for those of us this morning who are struggling with vision problems, who find ourselves in places of depression and anxiety and hopelessness and fear, would allow someone else to be their eyes. And they would hear stories of the deaf being able to hear and the lame being able to walk, and the mute being able to speak, and the poor finding hope, and the dead being raised to life. Father, we believe that you are Messiah, and that you have come into this world to redeem and restore and renew. But Father, there are times where we struggle to see because our eyesight has been limited. Father, help us to be people who walk in the light, not in the darkness, so that our vision problems are not compounded, so they aren't multiplied. But Father, help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. And Father, thus find hope and freedom 
in Jesus. Father, today, give us eyes, give us ears to hear of your hope and your glory at work in this world. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name, our Messiah and Lord. Amen.